We can all agree that 2020 has been a rough year, but let's zoom way out for a minute to get perspective. Let's think about the last 100 years. Since 1920, the U.S. has seen 18 recessions, from the Depression of 1920 to, most recently, the COVID-19 recession. Strangely enough, there have also been 18 different U.S. presidents in the same time frame, from Woodrow Wilson to Donald Trump. World War II, Pearl Harbor, Vietnam, the assassinations of JFK and of Martin Luther King Jr., landing on the moon, race riots, 9-11, and dozens of natural disasters like the Dust Bowl that was from 1930 to 1936, which is just crazy, and Exxon Valdez oil spill in the 80s, all the way to Hurricane Katrina in 2005. A lot has taken place in our nation over the last hundred years. A lot. Now imagine that your business weathered all of that. What has kept your business growing through all that change and uncertainty? Welcome to the Impact of Leadership podcast, where we believe that no one drifts into excellence. I'm your host, Steve Shear, and this episode is distilling down 100 years of lessons into 25-ish or so minutes. Today's conversation is with Dan and Michael Schwab, the co-presidents of DNH Distributing, and is being tag-teamed with Patrick Booth, our CEO and president at CCB Technology. So more bang for your buck in this episode for sure. There's a lot here. So we're going to jump right in to Dan and Michael giving us a brief history lesson on their company. This is uh, Dan Schwab. I'm a co-president of DNH with Michael. Um, for anyone that ever gets mixed up, I'm the younger, smarter, better looking one of the two. Uh, <laughs> But together, we've both been at DNH for over 25 years. Uh, it's a family, but also employee-owned business that we take a lot of pride in, uh, and uh, we have a great tandem together. Thanks, Dan. And as Dan mentioned, I'm the other co-president, Michael Schwab. The one thing Dan did forget to mention is that I am the better athlete of the two. <laughs> well, I'm glad we're getting that stuff straight right from the get-go, the, the better looking and the better athlete. You know, that that's good. That's good. Uh, before we dive deeply into how your business has adapted to change, I think some background on DNH and its history would be helpful uh, for people that are maybe unfamiliar with DNH. You know, DNH started way back in 1918, so literally 102 years ago. Uh, remarkable for any company to stay in business uh, a century or longer. And I think we've got a great story to tell. It actually uh, started uh, as a regional, in fact, a more localized distribution company. We've always been in wholesale distribution uh, to a more regional to then a national footprint and now international footprint inclusive of uh, our business in Canada. And the founder, David Schwab, uh, was really a remarkable individual, an immigrant that came with no money uh, to this country, uh, You know, started a business. Uh, worked hard. In fact, uh, one of the great stories of uh, his uh, tenure as president of the company goes back to the very beginnings, literally walking into a bank, uh, you can picture this, in his overalls. Uh, back then, we weren't in the IT and consumer business. We were uh, more in the automobile replacement parts. So he's got grease on his overalls. He's walking into a bank. You know, everyone in the bank has a shirt and tie on, and he asked for a loan. And literally, uh, he's got no collateral. He's got no equity in the company. But basically, he had a great reputation. He was known to have uh, strong integrity. He was a hard worker. 
And uh, he was uh, able to secure that loan. And uh, as a matter of fact, we still do business with that same bank today, 102 years later. That's cool. So during that 100 years, how, how has some of the things changed for you all from a business focus standpoint, what it started off as and what it's now? When we started off in the, you know, in the 50s, 60s, 70s, we were really a regional consumer electronics distributor. Back then, uh, as a distributor, you had a geographic territory that you were not allowed to sell outside of that territory, nor could you sell competing brands. And one of the biggest evolutions for us was, was led by uh, our uh, CEO at the time, um, Izzy Schwab, who's Michael, my father, who led uh, t- us to a national strategy, moving from consumer products to technology products, and then opening up branches around the country. So that was really a big shift. We went from being kind of isolated and protected. Uh, most of those regional consumer electronics distributors went out of business. Uh, but we were able to pivot and open branches around the country and develop relationships, you know, starting with, um, you know, Commodore computers and Texas Instruments computers and Packard Bell, uh, eventually segued into video game things from Pong to Intellivision to today Xbox, and uh, obviously migrating to PCs, networking and having great relationships with companies such as HP, Lenovo, Microsoft, Cisco, Intel, and, and many, many more. This is, uh, you know, Patrick, I'm jumping in here now, and I understand being a family business and understanding, like, the history of where you started at and then, of course, where you have gone to and where you are today. Um, we, we, we always were in the IT business, but my goodness, from when we started back in 1991 to where we are now, here we are in, in 2020, is, is completely different. Um, and so one of the things, though, that I think you guys talked about uh, was the core values. Um, of, of what was put into the business in the very beginning. And so that's one of the questions that I would like to know, and, and I'm sure our podcast listeners would as well is, so things have changed, of course, in, a, in, in all these years that you've been in business, but what are some of the things that you all have hung on to, you think, as an organization that is still with you today? I'd say one of the biggest things that we've held on to the, from the beginning that we had to evolve is DNH's culture. We definitely have a unique DNA that we think is a dif- differentiator that they're driven, they're passionate, they're collaborative. And one of the things that was interesting, and there was a great quote by the CEO of Wells Fargo that once said, when you get bigger, you don't get better. And Michael and I took that to heart. So when we became president in 2008, we really set upon a goal of scaling our culture as we scaled our business. We used to know everyone in our headquarters, right? Knew their family members. Right. Well, as you get bigger, it gets harder. So Michael and I started meeting with every new employee on their 90th day and giving them a company overview. Every new employee on their one-year anniversary, we have them up to our office. We'd order them pizza and salads, and we would have uh, lunch with them and ask for feedback. And we do that and also skip meetings with all of our directors. And the subjects of the meetings are, tell us what you think we don't want to hear. How do we maintain this culture of openness? Uh, the people that speak up and tell us we're wrong are the people that get promoted. We love diversity of opinion. We're big believers in the Socratic method. And I think that's allowed us to be successful that as we got bigger, we still have the same family values, the same family culture. We have a great work ethic, uh, but we really run the business and, uh, and, and think about our owners the way you would your own family. I love that. That is uh, exactly what I thought you all would say. I've been working with you all now for a couple of years, and we've seen that, uh, not not as a, an employee, obviously, but as a partner. 
uh, you all really do care about culture and relationship. And I got to tell you, you also give the best gifts that my family just absolutely loves. So whether it's giant Hershey bars or amazing desserts uh, that come uh nice and chilled in the in the mail you guys are awesome so i can't even imagine what you do for your employees if you take care of your partners that way um so one of the things i think though is we know what stays but what has changed um obviously that could be a lot in 2020 but over the le- the last couple of years or during your time as leaders uh, what are some of the things you've had to let go of well i'll uh i'll jump in there patrick and there's uh, you know I, um take one step back and i'll just add a couple things to add a little more flavor to Dan's um, view and uh, what you've observed as to DNH's culture. Uh, significantly, uh, and I'd say it transcends our organization at the management level, is that we prioritize our employees and make them feel valued. I think each and every day, uh, we do what it can to point out what they're doing right and make them feel they're a valuable contributor to the overall success of the organization. Similarly, as you've experienced, uh, we want to take care of our customers at a very high level. We we definitely have recognized that if we take care of our customers and take care of our vendors, uh, the pieces will fall into place and DNH uh, will be able to be successful. Uh, as Dan mentioned, we welcome alternative points of view. Uh, diversity of thought uh, is very important to us. And finally, I wanted to mention this uh, concept of um, profit sharing that um, from the beginning, you know, since it was literally put into the tax laws, DNH put in place a profit sharing program, which morphed into employee ownership. So today, 36% of the company is owned by all the employees. So if you feel that they're going the extra mile, that they're working hard on your behalf, if they're bending over backwards to uh, get you allocation and, uh, you know, help you succeed, I do believe part of that is because we've given them ownership uh, in the company for sure. Now to your uh, follow-up question about, you know, what we've had to let go of, there are um, a number of things that I, I think about over time. Um, and one of that uh, most important things is this concept of change that we've had to over time uh, help people understand that just because we did something in a similar way in the past doesn't mean that we need to do so in the future that we need to uh, embrace change and make sure that uh, we are learning to let go of perhaps what worked for us uh, even last year or five years ago uh, might be meaningless on a go forward uh, basis. The other thing that we've come to recognize uh, in our tenure in these roles is that when Dan and I came into the work environment, um, professional life was much more distinct from everybody's personal life that, you know, whether it was 830 to five or whatever the hours were that people worked, um, you didn't have the disruptions of, um, you know, a cell phone. Uh, Maybe you had a fax machine at home, but, you know, there was no after hours communication. There was an email. And we've recognized over time that this personal and professional life has sort of blended and become intertwined. And we're not convinced that's to the, um, benefit of everybody involved. So we encourage our employees to take their time off, you know, not to send emails over the weekend, uh, really continue along that mindset of separating the personal um, and professional uh, lives so people feel good about what they do in their uh, work environment, but also then live a a personal life that is valued and their family appreciates uh, that endeavor, I'm sure as well. And the last thing I'll mention about what we had to let go of. This is really unbelievable to me. We were on a mainframe computer 
for decades. And literally, it ran our business. And over time, we recognized that technology wasn't keeping up with where the business was going. So we, uh, you know, uh, inducted a new computer system and migrated all the information and literally hit the switch and moved from an old mainframe to a, a more um, client-oriented uh, IT system. Well, remarkably, that old mainframe, which had to be millions of dollars of investment, um, became worthless the day we turned that switch off. And li- literally, we put it out on the curb like you would with your trash. And uh, there I drove by that night and see this mainframe sitting out uh, in the garbage. And literally, the day before it's running our business, the next day it's in the trash. So uh, definitely learning to let go of some things uh, has been uh, critical to our success. Oh, that's an awesome story. I, I think I don't think I'm ever gonna forget that. Like anytime I drive by uh, somebody's house now, I'm gonna start looking for a giant mainframe. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that is amazing. And to po- know that you, like you said, the day before it was literally running your business. Um, but that is a, a great story to think about how so much can change in one day. Um, yeah. You have to be willing to let go, and I'm sure that was difficult. But at the same time, it's a reality check of where you're going. Uh, I love that. Um, any other stories, Dan, from you about change or things that you have seen yourself when you think back? Because we love stories. So if there's just like that, is there anything else that you would add? I, I think it's a leadership mentality that when you were a smaller company and maybe decades ago, it was much more of a command and control type environment, which we don't think works today. You can't be successful just because you have a handful of smart people. Uh, DNH is really a bottoms up driven company. Uh, the people that talk to customers and vendors are a lot smarter than us, and they and they know a lot more than us. So we have to have a model where we include them in the conversation, and we include them in the decision making. So we really believe in um, servant leadership, having people that are open to be challenged, uh, challenging ideas, getting diversity of thought. And I think that was one of the key things that some of our, our management and leadership maybe were more of that old school. And we had to become much more open to hiring people from the outside that were smarter than us. You know, how do we hire people that know more than us? Uh, We don't have to be the smartest guy at the table. We want people that will challenge us and create new ideas and challenge the organization and empower the organization. So that was another big change that we embraced that I think has helped uh, lead to our acceleration of uh, success. And I want to jump in there real quick because that principle um, both actually both things that you guys talked about, but that principle we felt uh, when we were there earlier this year, um, when you guys are meeting with us and, and employees are coming in and saying hello to you, uh, the servant leadership thread seemed to be from the top down. And um, we love that. Like we want to partner with people that are like that. We want uh, to, to serve our customers that way. Um, and, and one thing I don't want to skip over because you talked about having employees uh, in your office, the 90 day, the one year uh, doing pizza and, and salad to keep that culture going. I think it's good for perspective. I know you both are very humble, but for perspective, throw out a couple numbers of number of employees that we're talking about, like uh, so that people can understand that. So in our headquarters, um, there's uh, close to 800 individuals that uh, were meeting and, um, as you describe, interacting with on a uh, frequent and regular basis. And then Dan and I actually make um, the trips throughout the year out to our distribution centers in uh, the U.S. and in Canada to meet with those employees as well, because they're equal in number, roughly around 800 across the different uh, distribution centers. So we're making sure we're spending the time not only to build that culture, 
at the headquarters location, but make sure that transcends into the distribution centers for those individuals that you know are working equally as hard to make the organization successful. That right there, the intentionality that you all are, are uh, taking, the intentional steps that you're taking to invest in your people, I didn't want that to be missed because we're not talking about five individuals, but you are talking about a massive sacrifice of time. You got to be intentional with your schedule. Otherwise, 1,600 people and travel schedules can get way out of hand. So uh, well done. That matters. Appreciate that. Yeah. So, you know, we've talked about, uh, which is amazing, the size of the organization, the family business, uh, over 100 years old uh, doing all this. So you also are brothers. And I love the humor that started off. I love that as you guys were poking at each other a little bit as uh, as good sibling rivalry does happen. Um, so what are some of the fun, wild family business stories that you like to share? Uh, and you don't have to share everything, but what are some of the things that come to mind of what is it like to work in a family business together, uh, being uh, co-leaders as brothers? And then, you know, what have you seen uh, over the, just working together? You know, it's a luxury having a, a brother as co-president. Um, luckily, Michael and I are about five years apart, and we really never fought as kids. In fact, we we really never had one argument since we've been at DNH. Um, I think we're very much open to each other's feedback because we're very complimentary. Again, Michael has a legal and financial background. I'm more sales and marketing. But together, we think we make better changes. It's almost like having the work spouse, someone to call BS on you and challenge you when you walk out of a meeting, someone to say, you know, maybe listen a little bit more next time and talk less. That, that's a healthy thing. It's a luxury, you know, working with our father and uh, working with each other. But it's it's the the mentality that we have an old school mentality of roll your sleeves up. There's no job that's too small for us and work hard and have a good time. So Michael and I really do, a, a, we work hard at planning things. So we're, you know, last night was a, uh, a conference call with our, our sales team and it was a uh, Halloween call where people dressed up. And I put on, I think, 13 different outfits last night and just kept changing, right? So we like to have fun. Um, you know, Michael and I do all sorts of events and we're, we're willing to be self-deprecating. You have to be able to laugh at yourselves. So we really try and we've got more events than we could share with you of times we've done that, whether it's being in a dunk tank or having fun events with our co-owners. Uh, we love we love the people that uh, that dedicate themselves to our company's success. That, that's, a, that's awesome. I mean, I got to say, a lot of people can't even get along and they don't even see each other for maybe a couple times in a week. The fact that you guys are brothers and, and have kept this ongoing teamwork is awesome. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, Patrick, that, you know, when Dan and I um, became co-presidents back in 2008, you, you, you rewind the clock in your mind and you think about that. We were in the midst of the Great Recession, which is an uh, unbelievable time for us to like lean in and sort of take uh, that ownership, sort of thrown into the fire. And uh, that was uh, a learning curve. I call it, uh, you know, the breaking point or the, the near death experience. Like, how do you, you know, if you can survive those types of moments, perhaps uh, you've now built a foundation that you can face any challenge uh, that comes your way. But we built our, you know, when we took over the roles, we built our offices really within, you know, line of sight of each other. So literally we can overhear each other's conversations. And as we moved into our new headquarters uh, building, we replicated that as well, because there is a lot of synergy and a lot of nuances that either one of us can uh, add to the value uh, that we bring by interacting on such a high level. You had um, also asked about, you know, some of the 
you know, the, the stories and some of the, the things that have gone on over the time that Dan and I have been in the business. And I was thinking through uh, the history. And one of the, one of the big deals that uh, we did was um, Microsoft at the time had come out with a product called ActiveMates. And it was a, a, talking, a talking plush toy. Um, and it was Barney and all those type of characters. And we were the master distributor for Microsoft into the retail channel for Microsoft Activate. So um, we ordered what we thought was a, a good supply. Um, Microsoft shipped all our orders at once. So literally there's 20 tractor trailers lined up across the street in front of our building, blocking traffic. So Dan's friendly with the newscasters. And it's like they're on the six o'clock news calling Dan, like, why are you blocking? <laughs> Why are there helicopters flying over this blocked traffic intersection with uh, tractor trailers full of Barney Activates um, in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania? So um, quite a uh, memorable moment, which probably Dan should have had the VCR go into. Oh, uh, my God. There's, I, mean, I remember when the first Pac, when Pac-Man came out for the Atari and we had 50,000 units show up. It was the hottest game launch. I'll add one more thing before we move on to the next question, because I thought Michael brought up something interesting with 2008 and the Great Recession. So again, we get promoted. Three months after we get promoted, the Great Recession kicks in. But we had the luxury of learning at DNH under great leadership. Both Michael and I were at DNH during the, the 2000 Y2K uh, internet bust and how the, a lot of companies had difficult times. So being private allows us to think long term. So Michael and I zigged when everyone zagged. So many people that work back then, they uh, companies cut healthcare coverage. They eliminated the 401k match. They fired people or asked people to work four days a week. Um, they cut their advertising budget. And we zigged when everyone else zagged. We tripled our advertising budget. Um, we added $60 million per month of downstream credit for our partners because they weren't business constrained. They were credit constrained. Um, we continued to hire more salespeople. We increased the 401k match by 50% to help our owners rebuild their nest eggs. And we maintained our healthcare coverage. So we really looked at it, not a quarter at a time, not a half, but what is the right decision for three to five years? And that next year, U.S. distribution shrank 10% and we grew 20%. So I think that's the message for those mm -hmm. on this call that are listening is to have the intestinal fortitude to be long-term and thinking. And I know it's tough and you don't know what's around the corner. But that served us well, and I think it served us uh, effectively well today during this pandemic to make sure that we're not knee-jerking and we're making thoughtful, long-term decisions for ourselves and our employee owners. That is, there's so much there with um, stopping traffic with with Barney, and then and at the same time taking over leadership in a very real crisis, but leaning into your employees and helping them build up their nest eggs and that kind of thing. It's refreshing and also insightful uh, to see how uh, we can lead now because this this year has been crazy. Um, so as we start to, to wind down, I would love to have you describe uh, how the culture of DNH has been built and now maintained during COVID. So the, the maintained during COVID thing is what I'm really hoping to get because there's a lot of people listening in that have, have been tested this year. So you had great culture coming into this year. Um, and you've touched on a couple of things, but, but is there anything else that maybe some insights on how you've maintained that culture during this, this season of COVID? Like many other organizations, uh, we immediately went to a remote working environment. And the risk of doing so is not that 
you can uh, not execute your job, but you want to make sure people are productive uh, as step one. But step two, and equally as important, is how do you maintain the camaraderie and the interconnectivity and all the benefits of being in the same building when perhaps you might not uh, be uh, able to see each other on a regular or continuous basis? And we thought it would last you know, a couple of weeks, a month, but here we are you know, seven months later, and we are still effectively working remote. And I know many companies have uh, used the Zoom and the WebEx and the Teams calls, and uh, we do as well. But I think uh, even more importantly are some of the um, other tangible things that we've seen work quite well to help our employees uh, feel like they are still engaged and part of the DNH network. So for example, um, in addition to making sure that we keep the social engagement high, so those calls are not only for uh, business uh, reasons, but after hours, we're doing many uh, social engagements. Uh, for example, we did a picnic for our employees, literally at our headquarters, had everyone bring their family and drive through for our annual summer picnic uh, to keep them engaged and gave them prizes and you know took pictures with um you know, local personalities and uh, all the things that would be meaningful to their family. Uh, we did so recently with a, a movie night, a drive-in movie night, where we hosted and had people bring their families and stay engaged and become uh, maintain their uh, integration with uh, each other at DNH, even though again they're not working together. We've made sure that the communication at all levels stays very high, and. That, again, uh, has become integral, I believe, to our success, that people uh, feel that, hey, I've got something to look forward to uh, beyond just getting my work done and you know hitting the keystrokes on the computer. And I would say that we're very concerned and make sure that we put forth in initiatives to make sure that their physical health and their mental health in particular is not put at risk by this isolation. And we found that many that either live alone or don't have a environment that they can work productively at home, or perhaps they've got young kids now that are doing home uh, education, uh, the stress is fairly high. So we've made sure that our HR team has put forth tremendous resources to help them reach out if needed to have the uh, ability to um, you know, sort of understand perhaps this is going to last longer than anyone expected, and uh, we're here to help. I think I would just compliment what you said with, you know, we've always had a strong sense of empathy, but it needed to go up a level. I think people are juggling more than uh, they've maybe had through their careers, whether spouses, loss of income, um, the fact that they're at home, especially during the winter months where it's going to be darker. I think parents of young kids um, and schooling is a tremendous stress. So we've really tried to make sure that we're supporting them. And I think we were always very strong as it relates to communication. Michael and I are big believers in, in communication, but we've had to accelerate that. So Michael and I do a weekly email update. We do once or twice a month, we'll do a video update where we make fun of ourselves and kind of tell them what's going on in their business and let, let them know we're here for them. Michael and I join each different team calls. So every department of the company will join them. We'll have different leaders join those calls just to make sure that the people you're not passing in the hallway even if they're not in your area that you have a touch point and you know what's going on in those areas and you you, may, you maintain that connective tissue i can't compliment you guys enough and what you guys have been doing in your culture and continuing to lead courageously and, and and so much what you guys have gone through 
Um, this is not by accident. Obviously, you guys uh, have something inside of you uh, that others love and are drawn to. And uh, I just think it's it's just incredible, uh, especially during the two times that you have mentioned between 20, uh, 2008 and now 2020. Um, you guys are really uh, great leaders. Who who has made the impact in your life? I know the, the, the leadership, the podcast here is called The Impact of Leadership. And so we know that people have, you know, nobody is born a leader. Dave Ramsey says that. It's, uh, it's not, oh, he's a leader, right, when he comes into the hospital or she comes in the hospital. So who's impacted you? to get you where you guys are today to be able to lead courageously? I think that would probably be an easy answer. And I won't speak for Michael, but I think we would both probably suggest that it's our father, Izzy. Um, he's an old school guy, uh, tremendous work ethic. Um, also, um, great horse sense. Just really, really smart. He taught us in life, sometimes you have to go ready, fire, aim, right? You can't take too long to make decisions. You're not always going to be right. Um, I remember vividly my first day at work coming in. I'm all excited. And my dad hands me a book. Uh, literally, the title of the book, it's on my desk, is You Can't Fire Me, I'm Your Father. <laughs> so he had the best sense of humor. Um, and Michael, I think he still provides a rudder, even though he still comes to work every day. Um, but even when years from now, I think he's even given us the rudder to help us down the road. Absolutely. Is he um, very much a forward thinker? And he has built what I would call a, a business or family constitution that literally holds true today and probably could have held true back in 1918 that describes um, the risk and rewards of a family business, of a privately held company, what works, what doesn't work. He uh, encouraged and actually required Dan and I go work elsewhere uh, as we would our children before they come into the family business. He uses that uh, phrase that really translates in every language across every continent is the shirt sleeves in three generations. And that is truly the risk in any business is that you see success, success um, perhaps um, doesn't transcend to the next generation through uh, hard work and uh, they're not as motivated and the business uh, is at risk. So he very much, as we look at now, we're in our fourth generation, uh, has set the standard for success and we really do appreciate. And we probably, Dan, need to keep a list of Izzy-isms so the... <laughs> The, the ready fire aim is one, you know, he always says you can't do something new unless you stop doing something old. There's probably a whole litany of things that uh, Izzy said over time that literally ring very true for many businesses who might be listening today. You can't raise the margin unless you win the business. Yeah, absolutely. So that sounds like a book that you all need to come out with, at least a, a little coffee table book. But uh, last question that I've got for you, this has been very enjoyable. Last one here. Uh, what encouragement do you all have for small to medium-sized business leaders uh, listening in who might feel exhausted from this year? Yeah, that's um, a good question because you can get the sense that there is a high risk of burnout and exhaustion for sure across many industries um, in the North American marketplace. So uh, my advice is always stay encouraged. Not everything is going to go our way, but persevere. Uh, I look at it this way. If you give up in the bad times, there's a 100% chance you're not going to be around to reap the benefits of the good times. So no matter what it takes to stay in business and muddle through, you want to be here when the cycle turns around. And inevitably, uh, as we've seen over the 10 decades we've been in business, the cycle turns around. So um, that is what I would encourage uh, people to do. Uh, separate your work and home life. Make sure uh, you're taking time for your family. Um, you know, keep the positive attitude and, you know, perhaps, you know, take a mental reset. 
I would echo that. And I would maybe add that it seems like we're in a marathon, right? When we all in March went to work from home and, and we're dealing with this pandemic, it was going to be 30 days or 60 days or 90 days. And maybe it's going to go away in the summer because the virus wouldn't thrive in, in hot weather. Well, we've all been, it's all been proven wrong. And six, seven months later, we're still sitting here. And I, it seems like we'll have three plus months, maybe six more months, right? During the winter with the cold and flu season and until there's a vaccine or an ideal therapeutic, it's, it's going to be a challenging. So we're maybe at the halfway point here. So my point to everyone, it's, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Make sure you maintain balance. For many of you that work at your own business or work in a small private business, it's your baby, right? So the whole work life does become muddled and it's even more so today. So making sure you take time for your spouse, for your kids, uh, making sure that you do those things and you enjoy yourself um, because we've, we've all had to sacrifice many things. So it requires effort to make sure that you maintain that balance. Um, I think that we encourage everyone because uh, it is a marathon. It's not going to be over next week. Um, and you need to provide the leadership and guidance for not just yourself, but for your friends, family, and other coworkers of how, as a team, you could all um, best navigate this this uh, choppy waters we're in. Guys, thank you so much for that. That is encouragement. Uh, if you are listening to this and you're, and you're on the treadmill or you're in your car or something like that, you need to rewind that because we all need uh, somebody to pour into our tanks. There's some good takeaways um, in this episode. Uh, Michael, Dan, thank you. Thank you for leading the way that you do. Thank you for partnering with CCB. Uh, and thank you also for taking time to do this podcast. I know Patrick and I both have Really enjoyed this conversation. Yes, I just want to say thank you as well. Um, it's it's so good to hear from, and that's why we created this podcast. How do we learn from other leaders? You know, we might have different businesses and different sizes, but as leaders, we go through the same things. And we just want to encourage people out there. And uh, your story has done that. So great job and well done, guys. Appreciate it. And uh, thank you guys as well. And uh, take good care. Thank you, guys. We're honored to do this. For all your listeners, in case they forgot, I am younger, smarter, and better looking. So thanks. It's <laughs> still up for debate. <laughs> thanks, guys. Yep. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. So takeaway and action items. Takeaway. Servant leadership. Humility. Actually caring for people. Hard work. These things last and should be held onto tightly the products or services and, and mainframes for that matter will become useless at some point. Having the right perspective absolutely matters to the success of your business. Action items. I got two. Number one, pour into those under your influence right now. Your kids, your employees, your customers. You heard Dan and Michael talk about all three of those sections, your kids, your employees, your customers, just like their dad did with them. Number two, keep work and life in the correct places. And this is very, very hard for me. So I'm preaching to myself because work and life, they bleed into each other. But as Michael and Dan said, it's vital to our health as a person, as people, to keep the most important things the most important. So are you? To get more content, go to ccbtechnology.com slash podcast. You will have access to dozens and dozens of conversations just like this one covering a breadth of topics that all have the point of aiding in your growth as a leader. That's why we're here to help you grow, to help me grow, because we're all in leadership. 
And if you're listening on your phone, please click subscribe and share this episode with a friend. You can hit those three dots, hit that thing that looks like a triangle coming out of a square, and you can share it with some folks. Uh, And also consider giving us a five-star rating, possibly typing out a review if you've got a few minutes. We appreciate it big time. As always, from all of us here at CCB Technology, thanks for listening.